Amen. My name is Jay Clark. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. I am delighted to be in worship with you this morning. I invite you to remain standing to hear our scripture lesson for the day, which comes to us from Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. Hear these words. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell in the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. They sprang up quickly, but since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. If you have ears, hear. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Thank you. So we're about to enter into a a really fascinating part of Matthew, of the gospel, uh, where Jesus teaches in parables. We also begin to notice in Jesus's message uh, that his message and his popularity are both spreading. As As Matthew describes, there are many people coming out to hear Jesus, and he can't possibly address them all in any kind of normal way. So he gets into a boat and pushes offshore and speaks to them from there. If you've ever spent any time on water, you'll understand his strategy. Sound travels incredibly well on water, especially on still water. And there are no secrets in the water. You can hear every whisper, every laugh all around you. The story that Jesus tells is a parable. A parable is a simple story about everyday things that teaches us a lesson. New Testament scholar C.H. Dodd says that a parable is a story, the meaning of which is sufficiently in doubt so it might increase imagination into new understanding. Parables are meant to ignite our imagination for the kingdom of God. One of my favorite authors, Barbara Brown Taylor, says that a parable is not a once and for all story. It's a story you can walk around in, a story that wants a response from you, hopes for a response, one that changes as you change, so that it's different the 10th time you hear it than it was the first. But I really like the definition that Dr. Anna Carter Florence describes. She talks about a parable being less as a story and more of a moment, as in the moment where the extraordinary of heaven and the ordinary of earth collide, hitting when you weren't looking for them and certainly weren't expecting them. One minute you're humming along, everything's normal, and then without warning, you just collide with some flash of insight. And you know for sure that the kingdom of God has come near and you just saw a piece of it. You don't know why, you don't know how. You're just glad that it happened and really glad that you were paying attention in that moment. 
Jesus liked to use parables to help people understand the kingdom of God. This parable about the different kinds of soil is, is more about how we receive the good news. And it would be easy to think that this is really a story about us. But it's important to remember that whenever Jesus tells a story, it's almost always about God. The way we hear these stories tells us how receptive we really are to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus uses this first parable to set us up for seven other parables that will follow. They will all be about the kingdom of God. This one is about the character of God and how God reveals that character to those who recognize it. Throughout this 13th chapter of Matthew, Jesus keeps saying, those who have ears, let them hear. Anyone with ears, listen. In other words, these stories will find the ones who can understand them. When first hearing this parable, we might think that the point has everything to do with good soil. The problem is this, we can't change the kind of soil we are. Only God can do that. The bigger, the, the bigger problem with this kind of interpretation is it makes the story more about us, about the soil. But this story is not a story for us, this is a story about us. This story, this parable is about God's extravagant generosity. God as the sower, scattering seed liberally, even wastefully, everywhere. God sows. It's what God does. It's what God keeps on doing. God keeps throwing seed regardless of where this seed might land. God is love. Love is generous. Love is lavish and abundant, eager to share what is good. God will not deny anyone access to the good news. Author David Luce writes, this parable tells of a sower who is ridiculously generous with the amount of seed he scatters, throwing it not only on the good soil, but on soil that even non-farmers can recognize wouldn't be a good bet, thorny soil. And even off the beaten path. I mean, what are the chances with this seed finding anything at all to take root in? God does not discriminate between good soil and bad soil. God throws the, the seed of the kingdom everywhere. It goes out into all the world to transform any who accept it. And that's the whole point, transformation. You see, seed can only become fruitful when it stops being a seed. A seed must die to become a plant. It breaks open just as God broke open into the world in the person of Jesus Christ. And as it grows, it becomes something that's not a seed anymore. It becomes a plant that bears more seed. We're told later in Matthew, the Great Commission, to go into the world sowing the good news no matter how it lands. But be ready to bear the heartache. Be ready to bear the frustration when it falls on rocky soil or weed-infested ground. And I'm sure many of us can identify and have ex experienced the truths of this parable before. 
Every parent or child whose words of loving concern have fallen on deaf ears knows that hard-packed ground. Every person who has been overwhelmed with worry has experienced the, the chokehold of, of thorny weeds. This parable reminds us that we are not alone in our struggles. The parable also reminds us where we should keep our focus. The sower accepts the reality that a good quantity of the seed will fall on bad soil. Yet the sower just keeps sowing and keeps sowing. Jesus keeps spreading the word. He calls us to do the same, but Jesus calls us to something even more in this parable. Jesus calls us to hope. <clears throat> Jesus challenges us to believe in God's abundance. See, the, the story could have ended. It could have ended with a normal harvest from a good piece of soil. And a normal harvest would still be enough to give thanks for. But again, the story is not about the dirt. The sower is going to keep sowing, no matter what kind of soil our hearts might be. Now, I know many people who would say, well, this sower is a renegade. This sower is wasteful, reckless. Three quarters of that seed has gone to waste in this story. And as we give our attention to the wasteful farmer, we also get a hint, just a hint about the character of the kingdom that Jesus preaches. It's a place where God's love and God's word are scattered with equal abandon. No regard for how it will be received. It's almost as if God can't help but to share love and grace and mercy and will do so recklessly, even wastefully, because God alone knows that grace is never exhausted and grace is never wasted. Now, can we imagine living like that? in any way, shape, or form, living. We, we, we live at a time and place where we often feel that there's just never enough. Never enough money or clean water or fresh air, security or happiness, prestige, whatever it is, you fill in the blank. But it's important for us to remember that God never holds back. God is not worried about whether there will be enough grace or love or seed God may want our hearts to be on good soil, but nevertheless, God's gonna hurl a ridiculous amount of seed even on the dry, thorny, beaten soil. You get the feeling that God would probably scatter seed, love, mercy, grace, even on a parking lot. Now think about that. But why, why would God do that? Because God knows there will be enough. God loves us just as we are and so regards us as worthy of being showered with grace. <clears throat> because God loves us, God wants us to strive for the equality and dignity of all people. Because God loves us, God wants us to share what we have generously 
so that all people will have food and shelter. But the fundamental and unifying element in all of God's hopes for us is that they spring from God's unconditional, even reckless love and acceptance of us right here, right now, just as we are. There is enough. You are enough. God will never give up on us. God's love is unending, period. Again, it's the parable of the sower, not the parable of the soils. In the parable, Jesus talks about birds that eat the seeds sown on the path. What does that mean when we look back during the Sermon on the Mount? Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are these the same birds who came and ate the seed on the path? And is that even a bad thing? Or in the parable, Jesus talks about seeds sown on rocky ground because they had no root and they withered away. What does this mean in the chapter just before this when Jesus healed a man with a withered hand? Is there there still hope in the kingdom of God for those withering plants, those parts of us that are withering right now? Or in the parable, Jesus talks about the thorns that wrap themselves around the seed that was sown, squeezing the life out of them. What does that mean for Jesus, who will have a crown of thorns placed on his head just before the life is squeezed out of him? There's just so much that suggests that the foolishness of this sower was entirely worth it. It's the parable of the sower who sowed extravagantly. You see, when God is the sower and grace is the crop, every square inch of earth is the field. God doesn't miss the corners. God doesn't overlook the paths. God doesn't give up on rocky soil. And God doesn't avoid the weeds God knows God's field. And even the unlikely and frustrating patches are given a chance to be scattered with grace. In Matthew's theology, bearing fruit means living out the kingdom of heaven. This has nothing to do with outward sanctimony. It has nothing to do with with syrupy announcements or anything like that. Nothing to do with vague descriptions. Nothing to do with even worship. Bearing fruit means to follow on the way, which means imitating Jesus and doing what he did. With Jesus as our model of what the kingdom of heaven looks like, bearing fruit means actually doing what Jesus himself teaches and does in the gospel of Matthew which is equality, embracing human dignity, resistance to oppression and religious corruption. Bearing fruit 
Is that program lived out every day of our lives? Some days, my heart feels like a place where it seems that seed of God's love would never grow. And that's just me being human. But God is, it's just so nice to know that God is just going to keep throwing that seed at me. And knowing the extravagant love of God will never give up on me. And that extravagant love will never give up on you. All who have ears, listen. Listen. Amen.